you know, why did I do it? Because I'll be damned if somebody else has to go through what I did when I started. Oh, yeah. This isn't about money. This isn't about fame. I had no idea what would be happening today. Right. But if I can help one other person, that's why I'm doing this. You're listening to Your Financial Planner Now What, the podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Welcome back for another great episode. This week, Rianca Dorsonville from 2050 Trailblazers is here to guest host and put our regular host, Hannah, in the hot seat. Up next, you'll hear how FPA Next Gen Gathering was a game changer for Hannah's career and how she found her tribe within the financial planning profession. Well, this is going to be fun today, Hannah. It is. I'm. It, <laughs> it's it's a lot more comfortable on your side of the table, I think. <laughs> right. So today we are actually. Well, you're switching uh, hats. You're actually going to be the interviewee, and I'm going to interview you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling a little nervous because I feel like this isn't going to be the normal podcast where it's just. You know, what's your advice for new planners? You're, I know you well enough. You're, you're, you're going to dig. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you know, since I have my own syndicated uh, podcast, 2050 Trailblazers, mm-hmm. just joking, it's not syndicated yet. <laughs> but, but everyone should listen to it. <laughs> yes, I agree. I have, you know, honed in on my skills of being, a, you know, a, a Oprah type interviewer. So, uh, yeah, I think you should. Um, I, I know you're over there sipping some some hot tea. So I think that's. <laughs> to soothe you as we, you know, start start this interview. I'm I'm really excited and thank you for choosing me to interview you. This is really cool. Yes, absolutely. Well, we were talking about it and it's like people don't really know all of my story. Right. You know, I, I really try to make it a point not these podcasts aren't about me. They're about who I'm interviewing. And I was like, okay, well let's turn the tables. Yes. And you definitely have a story to tell. So just for the listener's sake, um, our relationship goes way back. We actually met in 2014 at, you know, we were joking before, you know, we started recording because it feels like we've known each other for like 10 years, but it's really been like four. Like that doesn't (laughs) sound right. I know. Right. It feels like forever. It feels like we've known each other for a decade and we actually met at my very first gathering. Um, So gathering is uh, FPA, Next Gen Gathering is a, it's a, not like any other conference that you go to. Um, You go there, you know, one person and you come out a a completely, totally better version of yourself. Um, And that's exactly what happened when I met you. Um, It was, you know, you know, we met, we chatted, but it was during closing circle where you said something very touching to me and we've stayed connected ever since is that you found your people. Mm. So let's, let's start there. So Hannah, how did you find your people and what did that mean to you? Well, so I, I went back we were talking about this a little bit beforehand and I was like, what was happening in my life at that point? Cause I think that informs a couple of things. So I had already been to a gathering or two at that point and they were so transformational for a variety of reasons. Uh, but at this one I had practice, I had bought a practice. And so I believe it was my first gathering after buying a practice, maybe my second. And by every measure of success, like people always told me how, 
um, how great it was that I bought a practice and how successful I must be and how, um, right. You're, you're under 30, you're buying a practice. Like what? It's kind of like a, you go girl. (laughs) So I, I had all this and like, I literally had somebody be like, you have your career handed to you on a silver platter. And all, none of that resonated with me. None of that like spoke to me on a, on a, like a deep level. Um, so I had, so that was 2014. So it's kind of mapping out the years. So 2013, I bought the practice. Um, and soon after I ended up buying like uh, these processes that really showed you how to do financial planning. Mm. So I had been working with this woman um, and she gave a lot, she did financial planning. I'll, I'll give her like, yes, yeah, she did. Um, and I learned so much for her and I have so much respect for her and everything that she did with her clients. But I would say that she definitely fell into the financial advice category. And so I got these processes and I ju- had just started putting clients through it. And these clients were just like, Oh my God, like I've been working, I've been working with this other advisor for for 30 years and I've never been able to articulate what it is that I wanted, but this is it. Wow. Like when I would describe what financial planning was to them and I'm like, wow, okay, that's really cool. Um, I got the courage to ask for $500 for six meetings for a financial plan from some of these people. Uh, hold, so on, hold, hold on, hold on. $500 <laughs> for six meetings? Yep. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Confidence is always an issue. <laughs> okay. Um, We're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so I did, so I, I had taken several clients through this financial planning process. And I think I had realized, like, I think it was intuitively understanding the difference between what is financial advice and what is financial planning Mm. and the power that's in financial planning. Like it's, it's, it's a different game. Like it's, it's, I I don't even know how to put words around it. I I struggle with that. I often ask people on the podcast that question, like, what is financial planning? Cause I'm like, give me the words. Yes. (laughs) Um, But it's, it was such a night and day difference between the relationships that I had with clients that I took through planning and the clients that I didn't. And so I, everybody around me was saying, you know, you're so successful because you have all these clients, you have this big AUM number, which my revenue did not match my AUM number. Um, but it, it, it was to me, the success wasn't in that I had bought a practice. The success was in what I was seeing through this financial planning that I was doing. Mm-hmm. And nobody where I was at really understood that on the deep level. And so, you know, I, I think about going to gathering and, you know, so the story that pops into mind, um, there was, that is where I met Dick Wagner. Oh, Dick Wagner. (laughs) And I think I, I don't think I understood how powerful what I had or what I was seeing or what I was feeling was, um, because I'm very, I, I feel things like I, I, I care very deeply. I just, I don't know if people make decisions in a variety of ways. That's how I am. Um, but we, somebody had told me there, if you get the chance, if you haven't experienced Dick Wagner, you have to go experience him. Right. And so I spent this lunch hour or whatever with him. And so, you know, he has these grandiose ideas and, and it's all great. Like <laughs> right. go read his books, like all, all day long. And there's only like four of us sitting there. And so he looks at me and he's like, do you have anything to say? Or like, what, what are your thoughts? And I didn't have any thoughts, but I was like, I I told him, I was like, I have a story. Like, I I just have a story about a conversation that I had. Um, It was with my dad. And um, I, so I walked through this story and it was about what does it mean to be wealthy? 
And he sat there. So he's kind of this like gruff guy. That's kind of like, <laughs> kind of like a cranky old man who, you know, yeah. that was kind of his demeanor a little bit. Um, but he sat there and cried as I told this story. And he just looked at me and he goes, you get it. You, wow. you really get this. And I think it was, you know, that, and there were several other moments at that gathering where I was just, so I'm, I'm seeing all this in my practice. I'm seeing just these handful of clients that I've taken through financial planning. I'm seeing like, that's, that was his experience, that story. I go, all of my clients can have that. Like the fact that like what we do with planning is so powerful it changes people's lives. Like it changes generations of families. And like, that's what I get to be a part of. And it was just this profound, like, that's my calling. Like, this is what I'm about. This is not about buying a practice. This is not about AUM numbers. This is not about how many clients can I serve? This is, this is about financial planning. And like, this is about changing people's lives and I can get behind that and I can get excited about that. So I think for me at that gathering, it was this realization of like, Oh my God, this is the, this is what we have. This is what I have to offer the world. This is what we as a profession have to offer the world. And it was just this moment of like, these are the people that get it at my broker dealer. They don't get this, Mm. but they do at gathering. Like they, they do here. These are the conversations that I can have where I'm not the crazy person. Right. <laughs> that people are kind of like rolling their eyes. Oh, she's just naive. She doesn't understand the real world. I mean, I got all that crap. Right. Um, but that's, I think, really when I found my people, it was I found the people that get the power that, of financial planning and the power of what we have to offer. I definitely agree with you on that. And, you know, there's going to be some listeners, some younger planners, or maybe someone who is transitioning into into the profession who may be experiencing what you experienced as far as just like the eye rolling. And it's just like, oh, you know, give it, give it some more time. You'll, you'll see what we're talking about. And they may not have been able to truly experience that transformational moment of what it means to truly be a financial planner what what advice will you or do you have like how how did you kind of stick with it um so that you know the hannah the cfp that you are today you kind of grew into so what did that look like for you what advice can you give the listeners Well, my career path was so different. So I'm, you know, I was thrown in the deep end and it was like, can you swim? Yes or no. And if it's yes, we're going to throw you in a deeper end. (laughs) Um, So I, you know, four years into my, my career, I, I bought a practice. And so I feel like my career path isn't necessarily like the traditional one (laughs) or not at all like the traditional one right? or what I would hope people would do for the traditional one. But I would just say like, keep looking, we're out there. I, I don't know how to say this. Like, I I talk to so many new planners now through the podcast and everything that we're doing. And the most common thing I hear is we bought into this idea of financial planning, which is just so exciting to me. And what I'm seeing at my firm isn't there. And I just Mm -hmm. want to be like, keep looking. It is so worth it to find it. Like it is so worth it. It is... I can't imagine a better career, a more impactful career than what, than what I have. So if you don't see it at your firm, get out of, not get out of your, I, I know switching jobs isn't that easy. So I know, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not saying like, I fully appreciate how difficult some of this is, but you can stay in that job, but get connected, get connected, listen to this podcast. 
get in the activate group, find people. Isolation is what kills us. And so it's a, how do we break out of that isolation as young planners? And we do that from hearing other people like, my gosh, like I got to talk to freaking Dick Wagner. Like you go to any FPA national event, you are going to be able to sit next to some of the pioneers who literally Paved gave everything away. for this. Yeah. Gave everything for this profession. And, and so like they're out there, you just have to look. And unfortunately, like sometimes it's not that easy, um, but I promise you we're out there. Yeah. <laughs> just keep looking and keep, you know, just keep going. Right. And you mentioned the activate group. So for if there's any new listeners where this may be their first, you know, their first uh, brush at your financial planner. Now what? We'll make sure we put those in the show notes, you know, you know, so you you can get involved. Um, And you mentioned that, you know, we're out there and, uh, you know, I have some of the same conversations um, with new planners and those who are transitioning as well, who may have their first uh, firm or organization may not just be a good fit for them for whatever reason. Yeah. And um, I, I I say that's the the gift and the curse about our profession is that not one firm is alike, not one career yeah. path is alike. So the curse in that is that if you do have a bad experience, you think all firms or organizations are that way. And that's not it. That's not the truth. So the gift yeah. is... The gift is there is a firm waiting for someone specifically like you. And whereas kind of like church, you come as you are and they want you for you, you know? Well, and you have so much to offer. Like, that's the thing is, you know, you look at, you know, what makes exceptional financial planners is how they show up and how you show up. It's, it's, you know, I'm. I'm a small town girl. I grew up in, you know, really, real small town in South Dakota. Uh, but that's part of my story. You know, that's part of what I bring to my client meetings. And and they sense that. And that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. Like your yeah. story is what makes, what makes you different is what makes you really valuable. And makes you unique, you know? So um, I think one of the beautiful things about our profession is that we can truly share our stories. We, you can share the story about your dad and, you know, talking about what it means to be wealthy or what is that definition of wealth and, um, you know, talking about your upbringing and, you know, just everything. And and it's appreciated because there are going to be some clients that connect with you and just form that, that sense of attachment and trust because it's just like, okay, wow, Hannah gets me. And, you know, she's just like me. She's no different. Well, and I think being in touch with your stories, like I wrote, um, I felt like one of my weaknesses and it still is one of my weaknesses is um, I don't feel as strong of a writer as other people. And so I started working with a writing coach and she was like, okay, well, the first thing we need to do is you need to be able to write your story. And I'm like, okay, this is dumb. I'm writing for business. Like I want to know how to write, you know, write about that. And so she, anyway, she, several meetings and it was probably like two months for me to write my story, my, why I do what I do. Mm. So that'll be, um, it's on the website. It's on my guiding wealth website. So I talk about growing up without a whole lot of money, you know, things like that. And I think what it does with being able to articulate that and getting, understanding my story, like I have, when you're able to reflect on yourself, you have so much more compassion for other people's stories. You show up differently 
It's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hear my clients who say things like, uh, you know, this whole money scripts, I, I love it. Um, and I can just, I can just see their money scripts. And instead of it being this, okay, like, how do we solve this problem? <laughs> Cause you know, that works really well. It's, <laughs> it's more of a like, okay, I've seen my own money scripts. I know how hard this right. is. Like, I, I, I don't maybe understand the specific challenges that you have, but I care and I'm so much more compassionate and patient. And, and it's not, you know, I'm there with them through that. And I don't think I would be able to do that unless I had really examined my own story. That's pretty powerful. Pretty, pretty powerful. And so you've, you know, you've, you found your people, you, um, you know, purchased this firm and I'm pretty sure there's been some bumps in the road since then. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been it's a nice way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> there's been, um, it, it will, it has been about four years. And what are some of the biggest, um, I guess, revelations as far as like owning a business? Uh, some of, some of the surprises mm-hmm. that you've come across? I think one of the things, hmm, okay, let me think about this. I told you that's my Oprah moment. <laughs> <laughs> So I think I've learned that I'm an entrepreneur, like it's in my blood. Like I love being a business owner. Like I love financial planning, but I also love being a business owner. And I always say financial planners are terrible business owners. And I had a mentor, Patrick Darty. Uh, he's local. He's here in Dallas. And he came from a business management background. He's a career changer. And so he always just stressed how important that was to be a good business owner. Yes. And so I think... I think what I've learned, I've learned more of what that means. Um, So I think there's been some natural maturing on my side of what Mm -hmm. does it mean to be a business owner? What does it mean to have employees? What does it mean, you know, to manage my time and my schedule? What does it mean to work from home? You know, all of those things, like I can see how I've grown in that. Um, But a couple other things that since we're really pulling back the curtain here. Oh, yeah. um, (laughs) No, no holds barred here. I, so I made the transition from the broker dealer. I had like 250 to 300 clients. I shrunk my client list down to 18. Like it was crazy. Best thing that I've ever done. Um, but you know, I, I came out of that and it was, I just needed to rest. It was such an important part, part of my story. Um, but in that I started doing the book, the artist way. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I've realized about myself is that I'm really creative and I, okay. Like my house is not decorated at all. Like I can't like pick out a paint color to save my life, but, but business is where I can show that that's where my artist comes out. Financial planning is where my artist side comes out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's again, that idea of how do you bring your full self to your, to your work? It's, I mean, that's all part of it. Yeah. So I think I've learned that I'm creative and I think I've learned how to be creative in my business. So that creative side, and you touched on something about, you know, there's a difference between being a financial planner and a business owner. And one of the first books that I read prior to launching my firm, and I know it's a book that we both hold dearly, that we've reread multiple times, is (laughs) The E-Myth 
or the entrepreneur myth by Michael Gerber. And um, he talks about how we wear three hats as a business owner, Um, the entrepreneur hat, the manager hat and the technician hat. And the first piece of advice someone gave to me is that, Rianca, you're no longer a financial planner. You are a business owner who owns a financial planning firm. So talk to me about that realization for you and what did that transition look like for you? You know, some, again, like now again, five years, it feels like forever that I've had this business. Um, so like when I started the business or I bought the practice, um, I did everything because that's what I was doing before. Like I was the assistant and then now Mm -hmm. I'm just the advisor and you just take on the extra roles. I used to tell people it's so hard for me to switch to go from paperwork. I mean, I could run circles around people on paperwork because we're really good at it. (laughs) Um, To go from that, that I very core competency to being an advisor, to being a business owner. Like I I couldn't describe it other than like that transition, that shifting gears in the middle of my day was one of the most draining things that I would do. You know how I thought before I was like, I'm crazy. Like I have my to-do list, just get down your list and do it. And I think a lot of it is kind of what you're talking about. It's like, there's different roles. And so for me, when I hired um, my assistant, it was to get rid of some of the admin work and could I have still done it all? Yeah, absolutely. I can do a lot of things like, right. You know, is that the best decision? Is that the best use of my time? And so for me, that was a huge piece of letting go of, you know, saying like, okay, just because I'm better than everybody else at paperwork in my office, uh, doesn't mean that that's what I should be doing. That's not the best use of my time. And so that was a really big revelation, um, on, on the EMIS side of it. I think it's really cool, especially with the EMIS um, how we learn not only to wear our technician hat, which is the hat that we have been most comfortable wearing, uh, the technician hat, meaning, you know, the financial planner hat, but now you're wearing, you know, the entrepreneur slash manager hat because you've hired someone, um, you have an assistant. And what did that process look like for you hiring someone? And how did you find yeah. them? <laughs> uh, Craigslist. Um, you know, Hannah, that is crazy that you're the second person that has told me they found a gold mine or a gem or a diamond on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what was great. So I was looking for somebody who wasn't from financial services because I think we're all so tainted <laughs> with how we talk about things. And I wanted somebody who could give me that perspective. I can train somebody on paperwork. Um, But what I needed, I needed somebody to teach me how to have an assistant. Yes. uh, Because I'm not good at that. And that's what she did. So she, her background was she had worked, she had been a business owner in the past. um, And she hated the business owner side of the business. Mm. And so she was like, I loved what I did, but I hated the business owner side. And so I did decide that I didn't want to be a business owner. And so I was like, okay, well, that's cool. Like you get me. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people wouldn't get that. Um, And she worked for a solo architect for like seven years. And so she got like the solo professional. um, She got all of that side of it. It was really valuable to me, man. I looked at her resume and I was like, you just knew Mm -hmm. like, I'm just like, okay, there's something special. Like again, that gut intuition that, you know, because when you put stuff on Craigslist, like, oh my gosh, you get so many resumes back. Um, 
And a lot of people can, you know, you can weed out pretty fast, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was just kind of the stars aligned again and it was what it was supposed to be. The universe inspiring with you. The Emeth talks about like, they give a story of a baker um, throughout the, throughout it to like illustrate, or I guess like the latest version of it. It wasn't in the original. And one of the things they talk about is how you hire this rock star person who basically does everything because they're responsible. They're high achievers. Like they're good at what they do. And it's like the business owner is like, you're the most amazing thing ever because I can just give you stuff and you do it. And, and that's what, um, my assistant, I mean, she's like, Oh my gosh, like I adore her. Like, I think she's like crazy talented on so many levels. Um, but the e-myth was like, okay, like that's not enough though for a business. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have the processes built out. You have to have the accountability built out. You have to have all this other stuff. And so when I went back and reread it, I was like, wow, okay. Like I can't be the person who has one great hire and then they leave. I mean, my gosh, this is a story of so many financial planners. I know they find a great new person. They think they found their succession plan. And then this person leaves and it's like, that's almost like the script of (laughs) E-Myth you didn't provide the structure for them. And so it's, you know, I brought her on. She's really taught me how to have like how to have an assistant, how to delegate, Mm -hmm. um, kind of operate in that space. And then now my latest takeaway with the email is, okay, I need to grow up professionally. I need to grow up as a business owner. And I can't, if I want to, if I ever want to, and I don't know that I ever want to scale this business, I need to develop a different skill set. I need to run my business differently than I am right now. Right. And so that's kind of been, you know, an aha moment, especially with the baby now. <laughs> oh yeah. Having oh a baby God. will change a lot of things. <laughs> Oh, I have like an operations manual, like that's almost done now, you know, (laughs) that is awesome. So it's kind of whipped me into shape on that, uh, which is great. And that's something that you don't have to do. That's something that you can get your assistant to do. Um, Yeah, it's I mean, you are speaking to me because I did the same exact thing. I have an executive assistant and I didn't want someone who was in financial planning. I wanted someone who had no idea what financial planning is. One, so I can spread the good gospel of personal finance to this person. And, um, but, and to also just bring a new lens, a new perspective to how I'm doing things. And, um, and she's been a fantastic hire as well. Uh, she's been with me since January and she's been phenomenal. So, um, and I'm having her track the processes too that everything that you do write it down yeah and she's doing it so well and then it's just you know what do you need and so like i was looking at okay what do i need and like i look at my to-do list right now and i'm like what's 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 not getting done and or what's sitting on there too long and it's all been planning work and so um i'm doing having my first pair planner working with my first pair planner ever um on Monday, like this, I mean, like a week from today. Yeah. And so, you know, that's been something I'm like, okay, well, this is what I need. And if I'm, I, in order for him to do the work that I need him to do, I have to be able to tell him what I need. Yes. (laughs) And that's truly important. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's not about, Hey, what do you want to do today? It's like, no, I need this done. (laughs) Yeah. This, this is what needs to get done. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 yeah, 
I mean, we can have a whole podcast about that. I mean, podcast episode about, you know, what it means to be a delegator versus like true delegation versus abdication. And I think the best business owners, the best planners, the best leaders uh, learn the craft of delegation versus abdication. Um, And I think that you have honed in on that skill of true delegation. Yeah. Well, trying to. (laughs) But I, you know, my thing is like, I refuse, there's so many bad business owners. I refuse to be that bad business owner. I will own up to where I'm being a bad business owner and make what I need to do, like change because it matters. Like that's the thing. It matters that you're a good business owner. I mean, it it matters. And I I think um, just because you're a business owner, just because you're the lead financial planner or senior financial planner, you don't know everything as far as just like how to train. And so for the folks that are on my team, so I have kind of like two teams, my YGC team with my RIA, with my financial Mm -hmm. planning, and then my 2050 Trailblazers team. And I explained to both of, you know, both of my teams, I'm like, I'm only as good to you as a trainer, as someone who, um, as a leader, as you tell me. So if there are any blind spots that you see that I have, I give you full permission to let me know, because if you don't let me know, I can't change. And I think that's why I have a rock star team and why I can do what I do. We did a podcast with Cheryl Holland, um, at the beginning of the year and they have these like 360 evaluations. And like, I was shocked. She said, I can't remember if it's her whole team, but like people every 18 months evaluate her and like her leadership team. So anonymously, so they can say whatever they want. Wow. (laughs) I know. And I was like, whoa, like that's just mind blowing to me. I would be scared. I would be scared if I was in a position (laughs) and, you know, I kind of made that comment to her and she was just like, you know, if I'm going to run a world-class business, I have to be on my A game. And the only way I can be on my A game is people, if people actually give me real feedback. And I was like, dang, okay, yes, ma'am. Like, I'm going to be like you. (laughs) Slip gears back to the e-myth i just reread it about like three months ago and mm-hmm. so it was so cool to me was all the what i picked up the first time i picked up st- completely different aspects of it the second time mm-hmm. and like what was really exciting to me was there was part like the last part of the book i like read and i'm like oh my gosh i don't quite understand what he's saying i can't wait for a couple years to come back and read this again and i bet i understand it in a different light Wow. So it's really exciting to me to be like, oh, there's just a natural progression that happens. Yes. Um, one other big business kind of aha moment I had, I think it was last year, a couple, I lose, I lose track of time now. Um, but the book Traction is another great one um, on this EOS system, entrepreneur operating system. Oh, Traction. That's what the book is called. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, no, this is definitely one that's been a game changer for me. Great book. Every Everybody who wants to be a business owner should do it. If you're even at a firm and you're managing people or you need to manage up, it's a great book to read. But one of the things that they talked about in the book was uh, quarterly rocks. You have like a one-page business plan and you put quarterly rocks. And so I'm the type who just, I'm naturally just, I just go like, I just, you know, and I, I never feel like I'm doing enough. Right. Like that's always been one of my things where, you know, it's like, Oh, you bought these businesses. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what I haven't done? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) We we don't, we don't take a time to stop and smell the roses (laughs) as, as the saying goes, I'm with you there, girlfriend. But the traction, so you write out a one page business plan and then you do quarterly goals and okay. Like, let's be honest. 
Charlie's editing that my husband is editing this. So he'll, he'll call, call me on this if I'm not telling the truth. Um, <laughs> I'm not the best at implementing all of it. Um, maybe hopefully I'll grow into that soon. Um, but just the idea of quarterly goals has been really powerful for me. So like before every quarter and not every quarter, like now's I'm sure we'll get to this in a little bit, yeah. in a different phase of life right now. Um, but before every quarter I'd say, okay, what's going to make this quarter successful? And I would write it down. And so I would get in these points where I was just so frustrated. Like, why can't we move this faster? Like, why isn't this happening? just putting all this pressure on myself. And I was like, okay, no, like you said, January 1st, this would be a successful quarter if these four things got done. And you know what? Three and a half are done. So chill out. Right. (laughs) Take a chill pill, as my mom would say. (laughs) So so that's been a good like balancing, you know, we just put such unrealistic expectations on ourselves. We, um, I'm really chatty. Um, We have... (laughs) You have a lot to say. I have a lot to share. This is this is what the hundredth episode of your financial planner now was. So So we're I mean you sitting on my hands. You've been sitting (laughs) on your hands for 99 episodes. I want everything this episode, girlfriend. (laughs) Everything. Well, I had this friend who um he did coaching with um Ed Jacobson. And so he does all this appreciative inquiry. Like he's like this psychologist, like, um, it wouldn't be a good idea if you're like high strung and like trying to like ramble out through a lot of like, he'll, he'll calm you down quickly. Um, (laughs) if you know him, great, great stuff. But my friend went to him with all of this, like a year long to-do list. And Ed's comment to him was, that sounds like a lifetime achievement. What what you're trying to do sounds like something, something that most people do in their lifetime. And you're trying to do it in a year. Wow. And I was like, wow. Okay. So like a lot of stuff now I'm like, okay, is this, is this a lifetime goal or is this, you know, what are, what are, am I, do I have proper expectations of myself? Um, and too often I'm trying to get a lifetime goal done in, you know, six months. (laughs) Wow. That's a great perspective because I mean, you have achieved a lot in your, it's been what, a decade that you've been a financial planner less than a decade yeah i graduated december 2018 from college so yeah, oh, not, so, 08 or 2018 oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> 2008 2008 so it has been a decade and so with that i mean i've i've you know, we're friends and I, and I follow you and, you know, cheering you on. And so I know about investment news, 40 under 40 and Mm -hmm. the Dallas young guns awards. And so you've done a lot that most people don't do, um, within the first 10 years of their career. And so where do you think this ambition comes from? Money has never been my motivator. I don't Mm -hmm. know if that's good or bad. It's probably part of my money scripts of, you know, growing up without money, but it was like this idea of like, like I want to do what I'm passionate about. I want to solve problems. I want to solve big problems. Like, I don't know how to do small things, you know, yeah. loading the dishwasher at home. Like that's, the, that feels like a mountain sometimes, but like <laughs> big problems, like that's what I want to solve. Um, and so, you know, I think really been my motivation has been, and again, it, it's different on various things, but it's, it's how can I, positively affect other people. Um, very millennial side of me, I guess, if you would. 
<laughs> I'm with it. I, I always say that yeah. we're the generation that cares too much, yeah. but I think that's a good quality. Yeah. Like, you know, we did the podcast and I'm, I'm being pretty positive right now. <laughs> my story. But you know, when I'm feeling a little cynical, um, it's, you know, why did I do it? Because I'll be damned if somebody else has to go through what I did when I started. Like, like it's, it's like, no, this stops. There's, there were no reason. There's so few resources out there when I started. Um, and you know, and we can talk about the podcast story more, but it started in my local FPA. So like they were already doing, you know, some of this, but I was just like, no, this is unacceptable. This isn't about money. This isn't about, fame. I had no idea what would be happening today would happen, but it was like, if I can help one other person, if I can help 10 other people, that's, that's why I'm doing this. And it was more, um, that's, that's the motivation of it. You know, with my financial planning clients, I, I, so like my big thing, when we're doing the one page business plan, like what's the one thing I want to change the way people think and talk about money. So my clients come in, like, I want this to be a transformational experience for them. I want them to come in and looking for financial advice. And I want them to think and talk about money differently. I want the power of money to work for them instead of always holding them back. And, and that's, that's my motivation. You know, Charlie and I were talking and it was, if I retired tomorrow, I think I'd still want to do exactly what I'm doing today. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty powerful right there, because I think what you do, and I see this and everyone else in the profession sees this, that knows Hannah more is that you care, um, and that you're very passionate about the profession. And so mm-hmm. on top of running your firm, on top of <laughs> everything that you're doing, on top of some more exciting news that we'll share, we're, you know, holding the listeners hostage to... <laughs> To hear this big, exciting news. But on top of everything, you decided to launch a podcast. You're a financial planner. Now what? So that you can help other financial planners. It's just like, wow. Yeah. So there was, um, so my local chapter, I have to give so much credit to them. Um, Patrick Darty and Trudy Turner started this. They started You're a Financial Planner. Now what? Through my local FPA chapter. So Dallas, Fort Worth. They would have the seminar series in the evening and that's, I I can't even describe it. It felt like a lifeline. It felt like, you know, I was learning how to do Morningstar reports. I was learning how to do meetings with clients. You know, I was learning, (laughs) you know, kind of the paperwork, you know, the technical part of our job. Right. But I wasn't learning about financial planning and like Mm -hmm. the power of financial planning. And so I went to these seminar series for two or three years. And it was just like, if I couldn't attend one of those, it was like, soul crushing because mm. I'm like, it, it was just like, I just had to be around people who, who were seeing this, this thing that I was seeing. And, and that was the only, pl- I mean that, you know, and there were my local chapter as well. Those were the places where I could go for it. Um, and so after I <laughs> made the switch from the broker dealer to the RA, that's a huge lifestyle change going from Big, 250, yeah. 300 clients to 18, <laughs> one eight. <laughs> One eight. One eight. So the crazy part is throwing away the year that I moved, my revenue stayed the same. What? So, yeah. So uh, follow the money, people. Follow right. the money. Um, but it, I had so much time on my hands. And so I, so like after I moved, I took six months where I just didn't do anything. Like I was like, okay, Hannah, I'll pressure off. 
you maintain 18 client relationships. You do not look for business. Mm -hmm. You do not market. Mm -hmm. You do not put pressure on yourself to do anything that you normally do. Right. (laughs) And your job is just to chill out because I realized I had never slowed down since I started working when I was like 13 or 14 or 12 or something, when I started a paper out, you know, mm-hmm. I never, and not that I was taking a break from work, but 18 clients usually don't fill up 40 hours. Right. Um, <laughs> and so if you do it right. Right. So when we, when Patrick and Trudy retired, if you would, uh, from doing that, she asked if I would take it over. And so Lynn McIntyre, who's also local and I um, started taking those over and Charlie, his background was media. And I just kept telling him, I'd come home from these seminar series and I'd be like, this is just the most amazing content in the entire world. Like, why aren't there more people showing up? Like, what the heck is wrong? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and and he was just like, because he lives and breathes media. He was like, well, why don't you just put some microphones on them and throw it on the Internet and just see what happens? And so that's how it got started is, you know, we started just throwing a microphone on me and Lynn. And I was like, you know what? I have some really interesting people I know and I'd like to get an hour of their time. So let me just interview them and all the technical side. He just works his magic. Like that is his area. Um, So that's kind of how it got started. And I had the time to do it. That's the thing is that that was really coming out of, you know, who do, you know, I have this new business, not new business. It was still guiding wealth, but, you know, really reshaped, radically transformed my business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had time to commit to it. And so I just did it. Yeah. And so I say, you know, I'm all about this. There's two sides to every coin. Uh, the gift and the curse about being an entrepreneur is that, <laughs> I mean, we get to use our creative side. Um, whereas, and I always say this about myself, like I'm a bird, that cannot be caged. Like I yeah. will die, like internally die. If you try to put a box around me or just slap a title, yep. don't hold me hostage to my title. I'm more than a financial planner. I'm kind of like, you know, you're a financial planner. Now what? Uh, you know, yep. as, as far as this podcast goes, um, you know, we have so much to give to the profession and you are just a shining example of just that, you know, you're a financial planner and then you started going to these um, meetings and and seeing like, wow, there's people need to listen to this who are outside of this room. But what is a way for us to get it to them um, from, you know, your words, uh, from your lips to our ears and hear birth you're a financial planner now, what podcast? Well, and you know, my secret weapon is Charlie. Yes. <laughs> so, that's my uh, unfair advantage, my unfair competitive advantage. <laughs> Charlie. So for those who do not know, and Charlie, you cannot edit this out. Okay. <laughs> so Charlie is the wonderful husband of Hannah and Charlie Moore is, um, Uh, just a fantastic entrepreneur as well, who helps out with this podcast, also helps out with 2050 Trailblazers as far as the editing goes and just a fantastic person overall. And I actually had another question about that too, because um, (laughs) besides Charlie being an awesome guy, like, you know how you have this expectation of someone's like, oh, okay. It's just like, oh, you know, and then you meet them and you hope 
you hope they hold up to the expectation. Like that was Charlie. I'm like, Charlie is so cool. I want to hang with Charlie too. <laughs> oh, he's so much like cooler than I am. <laughs> You're cool, Hannah. And Charlie's cool too. <laughs> yeah. So, but so, you know, what is it like having two entrepreneurs in one household? Like, how is that? <laughs> You know, maybe there's some financial planners out there where their spouse or their significant other is just like, hey, you're having all the fun being an entrepreneur. I want to do it, too. Um, How did you two manage to make this work? (laughs) So, okay, so here's a crazy story. So we started dating like 10 or 11 years ago. And (laughs) so we started dating. We're like a month dating. Right. Um, And. He's just like very like, you know, my dream is to one day own a business with my wife. And I looked at him. I'm like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard come out of anybody's mouth. Like, are you joking? Like, do you ha- are you not in touch with the real world? Like, do you not understand how relationships work? Do you not understand? Like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And so he's always kind of hung on to this. That like, that's his dream is to own a business with his wife. And I'm like, no, like, no. So, you know, at that point. I think I was, I had already changed my major, but you know, I had no idea what my career was going to be. I'm like, this is just insane. You know? So we always, yeah. Um, and so anyway, so then I ended up buying a business, like getting in the position where I was like, Oh, I'm going to own this business. And then I buy this business and I own this business. And I'm like, and he was smart enough. He's usually a step or two ahead of me on some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I don't want to admit it, uh, he was smart enough not to say too much. Uh, but you know, as you know, we, I bought this business and when I really shifted gears from, you know, so many clients to really doing like deep financial planning work with my clients, um, I was like, okay, so this creative side was me coming out. I'm like, so what would it look like for a financial planner to have a media arm? Mm. And, you know, I still don't know. Like, that's the thing. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're still figuring this out. Right. Um, and I was like, okay. Okay, like maybe that could work. And and so, you know, then we started looking at like what do we want our lives to be like? You know, what what's our lifestyle? You know, we mm-hmm. want to someday have kids. Like how do we manage that? Like do we, you know, how, how does all how do all these pieces fit together? And so it he was signed up 11 years ago. It took me a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, okay, like maybe this could work. And you know, so once, you know, the business I felt comfortable with, you know, where we were at the business. It was just like, why not? Why not just give it a go and see what happens? Yeah. And so at that point, um, we were, um, we had the podcast going, so he was going to quit and work on that. Um, and that, you know, one podcast isn't a full-time job. And so we were like, okay, well, we're going to, um, yeah, really, we were going to, you know, start exploring some different Other options. opportunities. Um, other opportunities. Yeah. And so, you know, we were looking at direct to consumer. Um, that's definitely a place we want to go. Um, we've, we've held on to that for quite a while of, you know, it's great talking to other advisors and, you know, I, I love advice. Like you're my people. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, what, what could I do if I went and talked to consumers? Right. You know, if I, And so, I don't know, we've just been playing around with these ideas. Um, And so we were going to really 
pushed, you know, pedal to the metal last year on that. Um, and then other opportunities came up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let's talk about those opportunities. So from what yeah. I understand, um, you know, you're a financial planner now. What is under the umbrella of the Financial Planning Association, FPA. Yes. So it started out under FPA and it's like still there. So it's really kind of a cool, um, cool story. We, so at this point we had been doing the podcast. This is like beginning middle of last year. So we're doing this podcast and it's really been like, I don't know how to say my gift to the profession, my like there, there was no expectation. There were no strings attached. It was just like, somebody needs to be doing this. So I'm going to do it. I think, I think this is why we get along. Hannah is because like, we're almost <laughs> the same person. We're like, <laughs> you know, ebony and ivory of, <laughs> 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 because it's just like, I, I'm such the same way. Um, as far as just like, I can't wait for someone else to do something like I'm just going to do it yeah. because if I do it, I know I'm going to do it right. Yep. Or, or at least have a team around me that's going to help me do it and execute really, really well. Mm-hmm. So what's so cool about the podcast and like what has been so just enriching to my life is I've had all these new planners reach out to me. So I was getting two to three phone calls a week from people who are listening to the podcast and they were like, Hey, I'm a new planner, like help. And I, and so like, it was, it was a really cool thing. And Charlie and I, like, we were just like every week we were like, gosh, I just wish we could start a Facebook group and have all these people jump in and and join it. And we're like, but we can't do that alone. Like we can't do this alone. There's no end game here for us. Like this could be a full-time business. This isn't, I still want to be direct to consumers. I'm an advisor at heart. Like, you know, there are consultants and people who go directly to, you know, advisors and make a ton of money and and all that. And like, that's great. Love it. Um, But like, that's not who I am. Like we did this for the profession. Right. And like, like, I I don't know. Um, And so, you know, we, we, we keep saying that or like, if only we could do this for this group of people. Mm -hmm. And I had a coaching call with one of my longtime mentors who I met at gathering. um, And she, her feedback to me was, this doesn't fit in. You have to let it go. Mm. And it was like a grieving process. What doesn't fit in? What, what the podcast? Oh, just the podcast. Yeah. This podcast, Um, you know, this podcast, because it was, um, this is, there's, this is for new planners. Like Mm. I'm getting older. Mm. I recognize like, you know, and, and I hate like one of the things, um, not to give spoilers or Hey, anybody interested? That could be another way of pushing us. I was just going to say, are you, are you looking for someone to potentially take over and like host this, your financial planner now? What? Yeah. Do like guest podcasting or get a different lineup. I mean, one of the things I'm so aware of is, you know, we talked about like your perspective, Mm -hmm. like this, everything is through the filter of Hannah Moore. Right. I hope it's a good filter. I like to think it is, <laughs> uh, but that could, I could be foolish. And you know, like I, there's, there's so much more to the world that I, I can't see because I'm just one person. Right. So I've always been really aware of like, this podcast is always going to be limited because it's just me. So yeah. Anyway, that's, that's a little very, no, I mean, that's very selfless of you. Um, 
because you could. Well, none of this is about me. This is about the profession. This is how do we move our profession forward? And we cannot move our profession forward unless new planners figure out how to operate in this new profession. And that's what this is all about. That's what I go back to. Like, I don't want to do anything that doesn't matter uh, professionally. But we, yeah, so I get this advice from my mentor. It was like, you need to shut it down. And it was just one of those, like, it was, I was so sad and I was just like, but that's the right thing for us to do. Like, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm 31 right now. I'm still young. I'm still young. But your first career was, is financial planning. So you have 10 years under your belt. Yeah. You have 10 years under your belt. And like, nobody wants, I mean, what's the plan? Like, what's, what's the end game? Like, I'm going to be 40 and still doing this. Like, I'm going to be 50. And I mean, there's, you know, there's hard decisions sometimes. Like, what's the purpose? And so it's really just like, you know what? This is just my gift to the profession. And, you know, if we shut it down, we shut it down and, We'll pay the hosting fees indefinitely. So it'll always be up for new planners to go listen to. And um, so anyway, that was kind of where I was at. And so we gave it a June 30th deadline of saying something doesn't change. Like this is it. And we had some sponsors, like we had some people like reach out to us and say like, Hey, like, would you want to partner up with us on, you know, this or that product or whatever. And, and it always just felt wrong because our motivation, like, this was about the profession. This isn't mm-hmm. about selling a product. This isn't about a business model. Right. This is not about a, one specific career path. Like, I don't think everybody should own their own firm. No, like, I don't think everybody like, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, You know, so there's, it's, it was really this like pure, this is about the profession. I'm selling out. If I go with these other sponsors, yeah. I'm selling out. If I try just to make everybody an entrepreneur and they're not an entrepreneur, right. like I just, I couldn't do it. And so anyway, a connection was made um, with the national FPA and they were like, okay, so let's not, can you just not shut down the podcast right now? (laughs) And so it worked out um, right on the timeline of, you know, June 30th. It was very, very soon after Charlie and I were in Denver talking to them about what would a partnership look like. And one of the things that I was just so passionate about was this isn't about the status quo. Like, again, I only do big things, right? Go um, big or so go I'm home, like, right? You're from Texas. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was, you know, if we're going to do this, like these planners need a place to meet. There's no place for them to meet online right now. If nothing is about, you know, true financial planning, um, you know, so they really opened the door and they said, hey, what would you do for new planners? And there's already a lot that they're doing. Like NextGen's already doing a lot of really, really great work. And it was so cool because I talked to so many of these young planners. I was like, I know these people. These are my people. These are the people that like, like I know them. Like I know their stories. I know, like I know what to do to serve them. And so it's been such a cool partnership. Um, You know, I always say FPA, they have the same purity about them because they're a nonprofit, like they're a membership organization. So they're like, they're in the same like IRS categories and nonprofit. Um, but they're the only place where new planners or any planner for that matter can go where it's only, or it's all about financial planning. The end goal is just financial planning. So mm-hmm. it's not, I love all these sponsors and vendors and I use them and all of that, but it's all financial planning is a means to an end. Financial planning is a means to a business model. Financial planning is never just the end except with the FPA. And I could get behind that. Yeah, I could say, 
FPA, like I can tell you every step of the way how they've impacted my career. And, and so to me, it was just like, oh my God, like this is not just the perfect, this is the only fit I would have ever done. Um, to really partner up with them. And so, you know, they were so respectful, you know, of like, this is, you know, you've been doing this podcast, like we don't want to take it from you. And I was like, no, this, this is it. Like we're sold. And so we actually approached it to them and we're like, Hey, can we just fold this whole podcast under your umbrella? Because it needs to be bigger than me. That's the Mm. thing. It has to be bigger than me. Um, You know, and what happens when somebody graduates from your financial planner? Now what? Like, there's experienced planners who aren't my mark, you know, aren't the market of this podcast. Like what happens hopefully when all the people who are listening to right now are like, Hey, this was great. Like this helped me a lot. And I'm just in a different place now. What do I, where do they go? And to me, it was so cool because the FPA can pick, they they have that whole career arc. Like that's their job is to help us be the best financial planners that we can be. So it was just, was this like, the skies parted, the stars aligned <laughs> and it just, I don't know. Like it, it was meant to be, I don't, I don't have an, another way of saying that. I'm a true believer of when you put it out there in the universe, the universe conspires with you, not against you. And I think this is just one of those moments where you just have to sometimes walk by faith and not by sight and just yep. truly trust the process. And so, I mean, you've had, I mean, such an awesome career thus far. You know, you started off with a broker dealer, you um, purchased a firm, you've made some hires within your practice, which we haven't even discussed. (laughs) Um, Maybe there'll be a part two to this about, you know, what that process looked like. And now, you know, you you have a podcast, you've transitioned that a little bit um, into, you know, FPA. And now you're about to start another new chapter you're you're about to add another title to your name can you do us the honors of telling us what that is gosh it's like so uncomfortable uh no so we're having a baby we're due august 10th congratulations (laughs) hannah and i would like to say i i can hold a secret because i was probably one of the first ones you were yeah yeah And I held the secret. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you guys. I am so excited. Thank you. No, it's really exciting. It feels very uh, surreal. Like, is this for real? Like, and I can feel it kicking now. So I'm like, okay, it's like, I really do think there's something inside of me, but (laughs) I don't think I fully processed everything, but yeah, here I am. So six months pregnant right now. Is six months yep. and you're looking good. Just FYI. I mean, <laughs> thank you. You know, uh, I saw you a couple of weeks ago. I'm just like, wow, you are just glowing. You, you know, everyone has a different experience with pregnancy, but you are definitely growing. So, and that growing, glowing, <laughs> I mean, Doing you're both. growing too. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, and so with that, so many, so many questions come to mind. Yes. It's, it's like, you want to, celebrate, get excited, you know, start nesting or nesting your house, whatever it's called. Like I I don't have any children yet, so I'm not sure of the official term. So excuse me, moms out there, if I'm (laughs) using the wrong terminology, but you know, it's something that we've talked about offline, which I'm pretty sure there's going to be some other planners who are asking the question too. It's just like, 
all right, well, I'm excited that this baby is coming. What about my business? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've been um, saying I've been nesting in my business more so than in my home. (laughs) Ah, let's talk about that. So, you know, gosh, there's so much and there's so much I don't know. So like, I feel like giving advice. I'm, I'm really like in the <laughs> thick of it right now. So uh, everything with a grain of salt. Um, but I was, man, we've been talking about this for a while. And that was part of why, why Charlie quit his job and worked with me was, you know, we will likely use some form of childcare, you know, but I wanted it to be my choice. That was a really big deal for me was my mom wants to stay at home mom. And I'm clearly not going to be able to do that. I, I always said that mom guilt's going to be my big thing. Um, but, you know, Charlie quit his job. So now we're looking at flexibility on, you know, what does it look like with two entrepreneurs working from home? Um, oh. how, how, how do you balance this? How, you yeah. know, how, how do you do this? And it's just so cool because it feels like we're not being trapped in a corner. Like, that's what's so great. Um, and, you know, I'm a planner by nature. I mean, that's my field. Um And so, you know, with my clients, like, okay, so all of y'all listening to this, I'm going to tell you, I always had emergencies back when I was at the broker dealer, people would call and there'd be panicked. I need money tomorrow. That doesn't happen anymore because we plan for emergencies. Right. (laughs) And so from a business standpoint, like I'm at such a better position. So I was like terrified to start telling my clients that I'm pregnant because I'm like, well, what does this mean? Like I'm their advisor, like. You know, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be available by phone. Like, I'm not going to meet in person for six weeks. But like, if you need something, like I can meet with you, you know, whatever, having all these qualifications on it. My clients are so thrilled for me. Like, it's so touching. Like, they just can hardly contain their excitement. Like, I've had like this one woman. Oh, I adore her. She like almost fell out of her chair. She was so excited. And, you know, what's been cool is I have, you know, several of my clients have made a comments on you know, that you, ha- you kind of have the perfect job for this to have a kid, don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. Like, I don't know how I could have scripted this out better. If that makes sense. Mm. I was really, really fearful about it before I got pregnant. And then when I found out I was pregnant, it's, it was more like, okay, now it's business time. I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to solve this problem. Um, there's this, uh, a lot of things I read about, you know, how do we help our clients navigate change and, you know, all the, you know, all the unexpected things in life. Um, they talk about resiliency. Mm-hmm. And so I look at all of the hard parts of my career and I'm like, that's built resiliency to me. So like this, like, I'm just like, you know what, it's going to be challenging, but I know I got this. Yeah. I have no doubt, Hannah. <laughs> I have I say no this now. doubt. <laughs> it, it, well, I mean, you have a track record of resiliency. So, um, you know, I think this is just going to, if anything, what I've seen with the new moms is it makes you so much more efficient because it's like, all right, well, I have this window of time. I just want to work for six hours. Uh, and the rest of the time is for my family. And so (laughs) the things that used to take 10 hours in a day, (laughs) (laughs) to get done (laughs) is now taking six and it's just like wow how you know where was all that time before is 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 the feedback that I'm getting because I'm asking a ton of questions you know 
my husband, Reggie, and I, we're, we're talking about it, you know, and I'm scared out of my mind, just like you probably were when you and Charlie started first having the discussion and, but it's all going to work out. Yeah. It's just such a cool thing. And, you know, I, um, my mom was a stay at home mom. So I've always worried. Isn't the right term. It's always been like, I, I, I'm going to want to be a stay at home mom. And I think I'm definitely like pulled that way. Um, and absolutely like, okay. I, I think that's the most amazing thing if that's what you want to do and are able to do it. Like I absolutely love that. And then maybe a little part of me is jealous. Um, but I just, you know, the day after I found out I was pregnant, I just remember having this sense of like, I don't want my daughter to say, my mom had a great career until I was born. Mm. Um, and again, that's my story. So I want to be so sensitive. Like if that is not your story, like I will be your biggest cheerleader on staying home. Like call me up. I'll help make a financial plan to make this happen for you. <laughs> um, like there's no, but I was really surprised. I guess the moral of that story is I thought I was going to respond one way and I found that I didn't respond that way. Um, and so that's been surprising is just seeing how I've been responding internally. Um, because it was different. It's different than what I thought. Like I was legitimately thought that I'd want to sell my business and stay at home. And now like that thought is just like, I, I can't even stomach that thought, you know, that that's not in the world of possibilities right now. Um, so I, some, I guess some of it, you just have to go through it or <laughs> what I'm telling myself. Yeah. Yeah. And you have definitely a big support group here, including myself, that's here to kind of like Aww. be a thought partner with you. I mean, this is something new um, yeah. and as much support that I can lend to you. Um, yeah, I would love to. Well, thank you. And and so much of it, like we have the Internet now, like yes. we're like two and a half months ahead of our podcast schedule right now. So like, <laughs> the podcast is still going to go on every week, even though I'm not going to be here. Um, so like we're, you know, that's, what's so cool is we're able to put in the work and, you know, with my clients, I'm like, okay, so the baby's due in August. So I want to meet with you again one time before, uh, would you like to meet in July or would you like to meet in September, October? And it's just, they just get a pick and, and they're okay with they're it. Totally yeah. Fine with it. Yeah. They're just so excited, you know, and, and so it's just like, okay, so we're just going to line this up and, and get this, get this moving. So, and prepare for it. I think yeah. we make these assumptions in our heads, especially for those who own businesses about what our clients may think or what they may do. Um, I remember this is definitely not on, on the same, you know, playing field as having a baby, but, you know, I went out of the country, uh, last year for two and a half weeks. This was the longest I've ever taken off since I started my business almost three years ago, two weeks, um, to go to Santiago, Chile. And I thought my clients were going to fire me. And they said, Rianca, if you email me one time while you're out there, we're going to have some problems. I'm like, what you, you actually want me to have a break? <laughs> like, yeah. It's so well, weird. <laughs> you know, if I help my clients live their best life and I'm not living my best life. Yeah. Like, you just that doesn't it. make sense. You hit the nail on the head, like, Anna. Yeah. I wouldn't go to a financial planner who wasn't living their best yeah. life. You know, you have to live it yeah. out. Questionable. <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and there's seasons and sometimes we have it together and sometimes we don't. And a lot of times we don't. Yeah. Um, so 
for but. for any any new or expecting moms out there, what are, what are some of the things that you have learned over the past couple of months? Anything that you want to share with them? Oh gosh, I don't know. I feel like I'm such a newbie. Um, I you know, to me, I guess what I've learned is. I have to just give it time and let it settle with me first. Um, And that's just, again, how I process things. Like we didn't tell anybody till, I mean, longer than they say you should wait Um, because like it just, I had to process it myself. And so, you know, it's, I think we're all just so different and Mm -hmm. yeah, that's okay. Like that's, that's the great thing. Like that's, um, I looked at the Enneagram and um, one of the things that they had on there, you know, your Enneagram type or whatever. And what is that? I okay. I'm of, showing my ignorance right now. Like what's the Enneagram? <laughs> Enneagram. It's like this, um, personality profile thing. I don't, there's like, it's like super in depth. It's actually really cool. And oh, if you okay. look at it, um, it's like the Myers-Briggs on steroids. It's been around for like hundreds and hundreds of years. Oh, okay. So I'm probably not giving it complete credit but it really talks to like what is your motivation behind things like it really goes deep mm. um they talk about like the seven deadly sins that came out of the enneagram oh um, wow be- yeah like it's like deep stuff like like it's really like rooted in deep stuff um but one of the things that i realized after reading this book about it was i always was like you know the ideal mom is what my mom was right like she was amazing i love my mom uh but I'm a different person than my mom. And the best thing that I can do is offer, like like we're talking about offering your full self to your clients and I'm coming to terms with, I'm going to be different than my mom. I'm going to be different than most moms out there just because of our situation. And we're probably going to make choices, you know, that are different. Um, But that's okay. Like the thing that my daughter needs is for me to show up just the way I am. Mm. Um, Just like we're supposed to show up for our clients that way. Ah, uh, you know, fully there. And so I don't know, it was just this really big aha moment where they, everybody else probably gets that, but it just takes me a while sometimes. No. Yeah. Yeah. And you said daughter. So you're having a baby girl, Yes, a baby girl, a baby so. girl who, whose name is going nameless in, until, <laughs> <laughs> well, until August, until August, yeah. until August. 10th when she is set to come out and uh, be introduced to the world. Hopefully it won't be longer than that. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes babies make their own decisions. They're like, you know what? I've had it. I'm ready to make my appearance. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And we're in Texas, August. It'll it'll all be good. It's it's hot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It is hot, but it is. I'm pretty sure Charlie's going to have some ice for you. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, but I can't imagine a better career to be a mom in than with financial planning. Like, I just yeah. can't imagine it. Like, that's the thing that's so cool. And I wish I could just shout that from a rooftop. And I'm not quite there yet because I'm not actually like, 
I haven't had the sleepless nights yet. Right. Um, but I just, I can't imagine anything, any better career. You know, I think it will be cool if we did maybe like six months in, you know, six months after yeah. your daughter's born or like a year and just talk about your experience of because you're a financial planner yeah. and you have, you and Charlie have a new baby girl and what your experience has been. I think that would be a good follow up. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, a whole new chapter in life. It's, yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, we've talked about a ton today and I'm pretty sure we, so we, 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 we've already said a part two and a potentially a part three, but what I want to ask you and what I want to leave the listeners with is a conversation that we always have with each other. Um, but now I want you to share it with, you know, everyone, the listeners is the question of, you know, what is our responsibility <laughs> to our profession? You know, I've, I've been thinking about this so much and I think people are going to step into different roles. So like, you know, I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but you know, I just want to put the disclaimer on there that, you know, you give what you get, like what you can, and not everybody is going to have their own business. Not everybody can give the time that I've given. Not everybody can do, can do that. Um, but we, um, Oh, bringing it full circle back to Dick. Uh, we did a podcast interview. So he wrote the book, he wrote the paper to think like a CFP transformational of what if financial planning was a profession. That's what it's all about. And in, in the paper, um, he quotes a movie. The movie's terrible. Like we, we went and watched the movie cause we're like, we want to see where this quote came from. Um, so in, in Dick Wagner, in his paper and we have this like incredible audio of him, like less than a month and a half before he died. Oh, uh, this was right after Charlie quit his job. So I'm so thankful for that. Um, and Charlie really, um, he has a really good editor's eye and like storytelling eye. And so it's like, how do we do this podcast? Like, how do we take a legend like Dick Wagner and, and do this justice? And so we, we looked at his to think like a CFP. And so we actually had him read this. Um, and so we did a video, um, or Charlie did a video. I should be clear. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Charlie. He edited it together. Oh, it's like, it is like everybody, every new planner needs to watch it. Like it's so powerful. Um, but we had Dick read a line from his paper and the setup is it's from this movie and it's all of these law students who are coming in and these law students are, you know, first day of law school and this professor's coming in and, and, um, it's, you know, the uh, reading the first part, the students file past the ivory into the oak and dust of the ancient classroom on this first day of class, they anticipate their initial steps on a professional journey that will lift in the pinnacle of prestige, power and authority, you know, so it's, it's all of this. And the professor, um, his words, and I have this in Dick, in Dick's voice, and I, I just hear it all the time. Um, and so I'm going to read it. It says, ladies and gentlemen, you're embarking upon a journey of epic proportions. It will require all that you have to give and all that you are. You come here with a brain full of mush. And if you survive, you will leave thinking like a CFP. And I think about this profession and I think about what is my responsibility? And again, I don't, I don't want to put this on everybody, but if we're really going to make this a profession, 
it could require all that we have to give and all that we are. Like we have to give what we, everything we can, and we have to give everything of who we are, every ounce of creative energy, every ounce of fight sometimes, every ounce of compassion. Um, it'll require all that you have to give and all that you are. And so we're at a place in history where we have such a profound responsibility. Like there's just such a small fraction of Americans who get what financial planning is. Um, like we can quite literally change the world if we together, and it can't be just me. It can't just be new planners. It can't just be old planners. Like if we as a profession say, this is a line in the sand, it's about financial planning. Like we can quite literally change the world. And I think like that is just enormous. And so what's our responsibility? I think it's to give it everything we have. Thanks so much for Rianca for being our guest host today. Be sure to check out her podcast, 2050 Trailblazers, over at 2050trailblazers.com, or you can check out the link in our show notes. If you want to be a part of great conversations like these, be sure to join the FBA Activate community on Facebook. It's a growing study group for financial planning professionals, and we hope you'll join us there to help grow the financial planning profession. Thanks for listening.